Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And wherever you are, whatever it is that you do, welcome back within Thin Lines. My name is Vince Castaneda. To my left and my right, I have Tyler Frank and Randall Ives. Welcome to the launch of Series 4 of our podcast. In specific, where we discussed some of the traits of leadership. Before I go any further, I would like to first say thank you to Radon Express, as this series is brought to you by Radon Express in Naperville, Illinois. From us all within thin lines to you, Radon Express, we thank you for your generosity and continuous support to help us get where we are now and where we're headed. From us, we salute you. It has been an honor and a privilege to work alongside you. Without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back within Thin Lines. And two very respectable guests with all honors for us to have them here today. I will start off with the individual that is at our uh, host here for the uh, Cigar Lounge at Karma Cigar Lounge, Indiana. Sir, give me a little detail about who you are and why you're here. Well, I want to take this opportunity to discuss uh, you know, the leadership topic. Um, it's a broad topic, but I feel like uh, with the 10 years in the military that I've been in, it's uh, it's been a journey and there isn't a direct path. So I'm definitely looking forward to having some open discussion on the do's, the don'ts, and different techniques that other people have seen to you know, get get things accomplished the right way. And how do you know us? <laughs> it's been my distinct pleasure to command Vince Castaneda in the Aeromedical Evacuation Company here in Illinois with the National Guard. Well, it's an honor to be uh, serving underneath you, first off. And uh, I know it's been, what, three years now that you've been uh, with us? It feels like three years. It's probably been almost two. Almost two. That has seemed like a long time. And then virtually for our show, we have a guest coming from another side of the country, Mr. Curtis. Uh, take an opportunity to introduce yourself, what you do, and where you come from. Hey, thanks a lot, Vince, for having me on today. Call me Rick. Hey, uh, so my background in leadership started early on. I dropped out of college early because I started my first successful company. I uh, went on kind of a serial entrepreneur, started three companies in total, and concurrent to that, have a deep love for our military and, and um, frontline guys. So kind of a fire brat. My dad was a firefighter and uh, I went into law enforcement early on, but uh, but then had a change in direction and kind of uh, went into the, the whole ministry side of it. So concurrent to my businesses, I served as uh, the chaplain for Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, uh, make my way to the supervising chaplain for a number of years over a a chaplaincy of about 30 guys and then um now currently for the last eight years i lateraled over to the oceanside police department here in southern california and i served them as a chaplain so but kind I, of my leadership thing in a nutshell in a nutshell i mean you got a lot of background in your uh, history for fire ems and uh, law enforcement um, just having that Absolutely. conversation that you and i had a couple a couple days ago just to do a little introduction about the show um, and I knew that this was going to be a perfect fit for you as a guest because, again, our series here that we're kicking off is going to be based off of leadership. So what we traditionally do as co-hosts here for our show, we always introduce the series starting off with current events, um, kind of just a little bit of a reflection of what we've noticed going on since our last series. Uh, just be able to play a little bit of a role here in what we would have done differently. And then later on, we're going to go into a educational aspect on a scenario that we will generate and i'll have you and uh mr knifel here um mind if i call you tom you call me <laughs> we're, we're out of uniform now so um we will play on uh, a little bit of scenario here later on so but one thing i wanted to do um, as this series is going to be um brought to you by radon express they're the owners there that are going to be wanting to have a little bit of a game skit between us and the two uh, hosts or guests here we have. It's a minute, what do you call it? A uh, fast minute? Mad minute. Mad minute. Mad minute. So Mad Minute is actually where we ask a series of questions to kind of start the show. You have a minute to answer them. 
Um, so which one of you would like to go first? I think he's volunteering. Ah, there you go. He's got to be. <laughs> I think <laughs> Scott's uh, ver- very first words about this was that you had to be the first victim for it. So when a charge, take charge. Yes, sir. Sounds good. So whenever you're ready, I will start the clock. Or actually, Randy, I'm going to have you start the clock. And I'm, what I'm going to do is have you hold the mic as well, just like we're doing now, um, just so we don't have any issues with the sound. And, Randy, if you want to pitch in at all, too, we will continue there. So starting the clock in five, four, three, two, one. Here you go. Are you a hunter or gatherer? Hunter. Uh, you're a new addition to a crayon box. What color would you be and why? I would be royal blue. Okay. What's your favorite 90s jam? Oh, gosh. Um... I have no idea. Ah, okay, moving on. Where were you like in high school? Uh, I was a skater. Skater, okay. Any advice for your previous boss for your current position? Uh, listen more. Listen more, okay. What is the funniest thing that happened to you today? Uh, I got a free coffee dinner. And what are you known for? I'm known for being outgoing. What do you do on your free time? I smoke cigars and drink whiskey. And have a podcast with us, right? Yep. How would you rate your memory? Uh, right now, it's a seven, if I can remember correctly. Okay. And almost there. One more second. We're going to do, what would you value in this specific store that we're at, Cigar Lounge? The Rocky Patel Vintage 2003 Cameroon Rapper. Phenomenal. Last question. I know it's a little over time. What is leadership? Leadership is a concept that can be applied to accomplish many things. Phenomenal. All right, there it goes. That's a minute or the mad minute. A little longer than that. What a minute's one second. Uh, Rick, your turn. Hey, man, I'm ready. All right, I'm going to give you a little series of questions, somewhat similar, a little bit of a mixture here, okay? All right. Time starts in now. Are you a hunter or gatherer? I'm a hunter. What do you do when you are alone in the car? Uh, play the music. Play the music. <laughs> there we go. Any advice for your previous boss? Uh, yeah, empower more. Okay. What inspires you? Uh, nature. Nature. And that crayon color, if you were any, a new crayon color to a crayon box, what color would it be? Laser red. Laser red. Okay. A penguin walks through a door right now at your location. He's wearing a sombrero. What is this saying and why is he there? He says, oh, man. <laughs> que pasa? Que pasa? And, and, and my, my question to him is, where's the chihuahua? Okay. All right. I like it. And what do you value most in your life right now? Family. Family. Okay. And to you, what is leadership? Empowerment. Empowerment of others to make them better. Okay. I like it. Sounds good. And they're the last questions I've always asked for the, the uh, mad minute is what is leadership, which is entailing our actual series here. So some qualifications or some aspects I want to go over is what we have discovered, our own definitions of leadership through our experiences in EMS, fire, military, our current lives. Um, Some great, I guess, phrasings that I've always followed in the leadership world is that leadership is earned through taking action. Randy, what does that mean to you? I'm a gatherer. I, I gather the shit out of <laughs> All right. You're saying you want to play that game, too. We'll back up real quick and give you a fast minute. Give me six seconds. Hey. All right. Ready? Yep. On your mark, go. Are you a hunter or gather? Gather, baby. Gather. What do you do when you're alone in the car? Sing my lungs out. Okay. Any advice for your current boss? Leave me alone. Let me do my job. What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, probably a police officer. And what do you want to be now when you grow up? Uh, retired. Retired. <laughs> I like it. What inspires you most in life? Um, freedom. Freedom. What are you known for? Making people laugh. Okay. How would you rate your memory? Uh, in the morning or in the evening? Yes. Big difference. Uh, poor at best. I have to write shit down. I want to know this question or this answer from you. A penguin walks through that door right now wearing a sombrero. What is he saying? What does he do? It better be bringing some tequila. Uh, okay. All right. All right. We know about tequila. And what does leadership mean to you? Setting an example for your 
fellow people, your, your I don't want to say your coworkers, but your the people that you've been instructed to lead, the people that that look to you for advice, look to you for instruction, and that you you setting a good example for that. Okay. So. All right. Now going to that leadership phrase that we use that it's earned through taking action. Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Or what do you think we mean by that? Um, I know for just a brief example, when I was a, a mid-level supervisor, a road supervisor for an ambulance service, that I, at least I think I did, I got some, a lot of respect from people because I was out there in the field leading from the front. And that really got people to work a little bit harder to not call off, to come in and help out extra days uh, because they knew that they had a voice in management. They had someone there to um, represent them. Sure. I like it. All right. So, Rick, as us being fire, EMS, military-based, and you have Mm -hmm. set your life to be a lot more influenced in the leadership realm and the faith realm of things, um, how would you... How would you educate us on your definition of leadership? And also, how would one in our spot become a leader under your definition? Man, big question. Big so question. here's here's one thing. I, I love what you said about uh, leadership being action. Uh, but I would throw a caveat in there. I think it's, uh, leadership is uh, exhibiting proficient action. Because you can exhibit action, but you might not be skilled or you might not be proficient and you do harm. And so I, I think the I think proficient action is what determines uh, leadership. And, and you, you you guys all know you've got the chops. I mean you you've seen it. You you see people who look to be leaders, and then you see people who who exemplify leadership. And and that's the guy you want. That's the guy you want to model. It's the guy that exemplifies. It. He's not looking for it. Uh, I know in the past when I've hired hired people, um, if they're really after the job, I almost don't want them. Uh, I want to see that. I want to see that guys are hungry for it, and uh, and but at the same time, their actions, proficient actions, are showing me that they can do this. So, what defines, or I guess, how how does one become proficient? Like, what what is the classification of an action being proficient? Well, so it depends on the realm we're talking about. But if, if you're going to, okay, let's just take fire, uh, fire life or police life or, or um, in your guys, any EMS position. I mean, you'll see guys that are on it and they're after it and they're they're on it 24 hours a day. And, and what they do is when they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're off. So they have that respite to balance their life with. Uh, that's good leadership, but when they're on, they're proficient, and that's and that's part that's the part I, I think we need to zone in on sometimes, because there's a lot of leaders out there that are busy, and they're doing a lot of action, and uh, it seems like they're busy, but they're they're focusing on the unimportant tasks. They just look busy. Um, they're working in urgency, if you will, uh, and I think the leader, the true leader. Uh, really has the ability to focus beyond what's um, urgent and look at what's important and place their actions in the important area. And that, and that serves as a model. So you, you look up to those guys. You don't look at the guys that are spinning the wheels just because they look busy. You look at the guys who are getting things done. Um, and, and usually those guys are better at balancing their time anyway, so they're not quite as busy. They're less busy doing more, accomplishing more than the guys that are super busy and accomplishing nothing. Sure. Over here, Randy's shaking his head in complete agreement. What are you agreeing about? It just hurts because everything he's saying is so true. Right. <laughs> At least sounds so true. Absolutely. No, that's 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 precise. To me, when you th- say proficient, I'm also thinking like it's not about consistency. It's about the job. You know what what makes EMS proficient? Exactly. Healthcare. Healthcare. You know, like our our patient providing, our patient advocacy. What makes fire proficient? But now fires, right? Yeah. Saving, saving property, you know, saving victims, right? What makes the military proficient? It's the consistent yeah. train and retrain sure. and retrain and the dedication to providing enough resources in order to go through every scenario and ensure that you're ready for anything. Sure. Mission capable, right? If Mission capable. Training, I love that. Mission yeah. capable. But as leaders, so I'm going to point the fingers to two of you as guests who are in leader leader spots there's always going to be a 
And I guess coming from the military, you go through BLC and ALC, the leadership courses, in order for us uh, to promote to this the NCO categories. Uh, we always learn, you know, that uh, servant leadership kind of aspect, the, uh, the stewardship of the job. Um, how would you define those? Servant leadership. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's um, putting your subordinates' needs and training and goals above your own because you know that when you put those things first, it increases the proficiency of the team as a whole. So as the leader, you gain by having your team gain. So it's the means to the end, putting your subordinates' Priorities first helps the team, and the team helps you succeed. Okay, Rick, what do you think? Yeah, well, well said, brother. I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. I think I think if you gen, if you overgeneralize, and I don't like broad brushing uh, personalities, but but in an overgeneralization, there's typically two kinds of leaders you find. You find command and control guys, and you find empower and release guys. And I think. Servant leadership falls into the empowered and release. Now, if you're a drill sergeant, you need to be command and control. Okay, that, but that's a very niche kind of situation. Most effective leaders are empower and release guys. In other words, they do all that they can to empower 360 degrees around them work that moves the vision forward. And so, um, it 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 is about serving others. You you don't only serve your your boss; you serve your director. And, and I would argue that the second is more important than the first. Sure. And how do you find yourself handling, I guess, the negative roles of a leader? So what I mean by that is the individuals who want your spot or the individuals who just don't follow you because of personalities. Or even Man, you know, Oh, yeah. Hey, so look, I, I have a standard thing I've done with employees in the past and, and guys that I've worked with. And it comes along these same lines of empowering and releasing guys. I'll bring them in. Uh, let's say it's a new hire for me. I'll, I'll sit them down in front of me and I'll say, hey, listen, you're a tenant what you do. I don't know exactly what that is. I want to help you find it. But what God created you to be, you're a tenant. And whatever that is, that's going to serve this organization. Now, in that realm, I might only be a seven or an eight. I said, so I'm going to empower you to do your job. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to empower you to do it because if I tell you how to do it, my eight will make your 10 a nine and you'll be working at a nine for the rest of your time here. I'm going to empower you to work so that you can be an 11 if it's all possible. And then I'll go on and and I'll tell them, I'll say, look, while I'm empowering you to do stuff, I'm going to release you to get it done. And when you're doing it, you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Just keep rolling. If it's a bad mistake, I may call you into this office, sit you down right here in front of you, and I may chew you out. But one thing I will never do is I will never disrespect you around the guys you work with. That'll be done in this office. We're going to get it corrected, and I'm going to send you out of here free and empowered to create again, and, and we're going to make this thing better. And I and to be frank with you, I'll, I'll tell them. This is my this is my standard speech that I give guys. And, I, and then I'll tell them, I'll say, look, but I expect, and then I do this little hiccup thing like I where I, where I wait or I pause. And I, I'll say, and I, I, I expect... No, you know what? I demand the same of you. As I lead this organization, I'm going to make mistakes too. I'm a human being. But I want you to come in here in my office and tell me about it. I don't want you out there on the floor talking about it. Because when we leave this office, we're unified because that's how you build me. And, and I said, do, I, do, do you get what I'm saying? They'll say, yeah. And I'll say, okay, be empowered. Get out there and, and get it done. Can you talk about the empower thing a little bit more? I really find that fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe I believe at my core that inside of each and every person there is something that they want to do and they want to excel at. It goes back it goes back to an early read that Daniel uh sorry, is it okay on the podcast if I throw out a book title? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. So Daniel Pink wrote a book called Blink. Uh, oh no no, that was uh, uh Malcolm Gladwell. Daniel Pink's book is called Drive, I'm sorry, my mistake. Drive is one of the most significant books that you can read as a leader because it, it helps you to understand the difference between extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation. And I, I don't want to take too much of the podcast, but I'll summarize it real quick. 
you can pay a guy $50 more a day to create 50 extra widgets if he works on an assembly line. That's called extrinsic motivation. I'm going to reward you if you build 50 more widgets a day. And so boom, 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 boom. He speeds up his actions and he creates 50 more widgets. But um, extrinsic motivators will not help anything that requires thought, requires cognitive uh, process. So if you're doing creative work, if you're doing skilled work, if you're doing work that has to make judgments in the split second, there's EMS, fire, police. If you're doing that kind of work, you cannot motivate it extrinsically. You have to motivate it intrinsically. And what that what that means is you need to you need to lead those leaders through. Um, it's really kind of one of three areas: autonomy, mastery, or purpose. Everybody wants to work autonomously. That's where the empowerment comes in, right? I'm empowering you to work autonomously, get the job done to the best of your ability. Um, mastery, we all want to master something, right? That's why people play instruments. That's why they 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 do they have hobbies because they want to master something. And then purpose, everybody wants to serve something bigger. So, man, in EMS, fire, and police, if you're out saving lives, there's your purpose, man. You're, you're saving lives. You're protecting property. You're doing that kind of thing. Mastery, you want it. That's the proficiency I was talking about. You want. You want, you want to be on target when you pull your weapon. You want, to, you want to know exactly how to get out of fire and put it out most effectively. You want, um, and then uh, autonomy. You want to be able to, to be independent and serve with your own skill set, not having to depend on somebody. Now, you want to depend on others, but you don't have to because you're autonomous in your actions. And so, the, so to wrap it all up, the leader that seeks to empower people wants what I mean by empowerment is they go out of their way to build those skills in the individual. So if they see a proficient, proficiency, they leave it alone. If they see a weakness, they work with that as, as a leader to help them grow more proficient in that area. You're empowering them to do it. And then you release them to be the best that they can be. That's, that's very well said. <laughs> I think I could pretty much give you the microphone the whole time and just let you talk about this for hours. What was that yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to ramble. No, it's great. It's phenomenal. Um, Randy just asked what the book was called again you, you mentioned. Yeah, it's Drive by Daniel Pink. Uh, the subtitle is The Surprising Truth of What Truly Motivates Us, something like that. It's, it. It, it, I, I highly recommend I recommend it every time I speak publicly. I have one in my in my back pocket and I pull it out and I show it to the crowd. Sure. One of the most one of the most I, I read a lot of books, um, but it's one of the most significant books, and I read it shoot must be fifteen years ago. No, that's that's definitely a keeper going to be put up on the shelf here. Tom, I got yeah. a question for you. Go there. You know the the statement of like our toolbox of the job kind of thing. You know what we have in our back pocket to to do our job better. Yep. Um, in this aspect of leadership, right? Let's say you have a toolbox of things that you could offer me as somebody that you're leading, right? What is your number one tool? I think it's books. Books? But again, like Rick said, he reads a lot. I read a lot, too. And uh, uh, piggyback off of that empowerment concept, um, one of my favorite books that I recommend is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. I believe there's a TED Talk as well, but uh, it's a pretty simple concept. There's three rings. In the center of the ring is the word why. You move one ring outer, there's the how, and then the outside ring is the what. You see folks that are in leadership positions that aren't very successful, they just start with the what. That would be me telling you, okay, I need you to go run two miles. That's just doing the what. But most people that are successful start with the why being, why am I doing this thing? And you get the buy-in. And there's the individual why, and then there's the team why. So if you can get your team together, your individuals, and start with why, this is why we're doing these actions, get the buy-in, and then you describe how we're going to do that and then you go and execute you see a higher percentage of success when you start with the motivation or the why sure now what is the greatest delivery motivation it depends everyone's got a different learning style and that's one thing that leaders need to know is that uh, your style of leadership needs to be adaptable and cater to the team the scenario the time of day um, it's going to be different depending on the environment. So, again, going to the toolbox, understanding, number one, people learn differently in different scenarios. So educating yourself as a leader as to how to teach 
or how to communicate in these different scenarios so that you can get the point across and then eventually accomplish the mission. Sure. Randy, what do you think? This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, really begin, being new in the leadership field and really starting to read some of these books, really, you know, even growing up and trying to be the next level of provider, uh, even the lead, in the leadership uh, perspective. Uh, I love the empowering thing. I love that. It just, this is all good. It's all good, good stuff. Question for both of you. I mean, kind of like the, something that we kind of hit our area a little, a little strong was the whole, the, the Jocko stuff, Jocko Willink, the echelon front. Um, and then his books, The Extreme Ownership, I'm sure you guys are familiar uh, just get your opinions, both of you guys, about what you guys think about these, uh, about this style, about his uh, his books and stuff. Uh, Rick, if you want to go, yeah. Who was that? I didn't. I didn't quite hear who. Oh, sorry. This Which is Rand, this is Rand, the the Jocko Willink, the Extreme Ownership, the Echelon Front um, leadership oh, stuff he, that he started. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm vaguely familiar with it. He's the Seal guy, right? Yeah, he's the Seal guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I. To be honest, I'm not intimately familiar with it, but I, I, I am vaguely familiar with his his work. I've watched a couple of videos he's done, and whatever, but I don't think to the level where I can speak to. Sure, no, it's something that um, we kind of started looking at, and I I actually I listened to his listened to and read his books uh, and have read them frequently um, over and over again, and just uh, his principles that I really have I kind of started using um, just in my own personal day life, you know, day to day, and then when I was. Uh, in a management situation. Uh, I just wanted to see what you guys, uh, your thoughts were. Um, but if you're looking for something to read, I highly suggest it was very interesting. Hey, yeah, well, for sure. And I, and I would commend you from, for going there because um, I think in one of the earlier, uh, early conversations I had with Gint, uh, we were talking about how uh, leaders, your average leader typically studies his market or his industry or his, it would be like fire guys just just studying, studying leadership in, in the fire realm, right? And um, I think you do yourself a disservice. You know, you, you cap out if you do that because you're never going to be the best guy out there. There's always going to be somebody better than you. Um, but looking at other fields, looking at leadership from different perspectives, different realms of life, that's where the true leader starts to excel because they find principles, they find actions, they find um, different different ways of looking at or approaching a problem um, from different realms of, of experience, and then they apply that to their trade, and it just propels them to a whole other level. I love it. That's great because, uh, especially coming from the military style, where I was not able to serve, I have not able to serve in a military style, um, just in the private sector um, in the fire department. Um, so to be able to take what he kind of he brought from the military teachings and military leadership into even just the business world that uh, his company, their company, uh, is like pushing towards. So I just wanted your opinion. Thank you for your uh, your opinion on that. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think um, you know his style of leadership is shocking to a lot of people, yeah. especially to civilians that haven't been exposed to any sort of disciplined pursuit like um, the thin lines of police, fire, EMS, military. Um, I think some people need that, absolutely. And it kind of wakes them up and gets them into that motivated mindset to become the best that they can be. Um, And I think you mentioned it earlier, you don't read it or listen to it once. It's repetition. It's um, it's like motivation, recommended daily, right? Absolutely. So for the people that learn well with that hard-charging mindset, I think it's phenomenal. it might not be for everybody, but I think he is developing a lot of leaders out there outside of the military realm with his experience. So it's it's good to see. I like this all really a lot, you know. And there's a little caveat first, Randy. Uh, you talked about the military and you didn't serve and whatnot. My humble opinion: um, if you're a public servant in this country, you should be acknowledged just like any other military member. Um, in my mind, you know, being French, as you all know. Uh, the French fire department is a branch of military, you know, so with everything that, you know, we have to do on the job and everything we see and everything we encounter, um, to me, it, it should be all incorporated as one in my honest opinion. So regardless, 
Um, thank you for what you do, Randy. <laughs> I appreciate that. I actually had a patient a long time ago. Uh, he asked me if I had any regrets in life. We were just kind of shit jogging, uh, shooting the shit per- proverbially in the back of the truck. He wasn't dying. Family was worried. He wasn't. He wasn't. You know, his last words or anything else like that it wasn't to me. Thank God. Uh, but I, you know, yeah, I told him. I said, you know, not serving in, the, in a military aspect. And he looked at me cross-eyed and was like, he literally said, "Boy, what are you doing right now?" Well, I'm taking care of you, Mr. Johnson, whatever his name was. And uh, he's like, you're serving us on the home front, man. Like, And I was like, that was really humbling uh, to, to see a, a random patient tell me that. Um, and it was, uh, it, was, yeah, it was very humbling. Absolutely. Um, so for all you out there that are doing EMS fire, whatever, if you're walking the thin line community, you have our appreciation, our respect. See what I did there? I added our uh, podcast name within thin lines. Like yeah, it. man, that was good. <laughs> right? Not like I've practiced that a couple times. But uh, going back to the leadership aspect, um, so we talked about the tools. We talked about how we could explain the why before the how, which is crucial, right? We go to Paramedic Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what, you know, like MONA, you remember the whole acronym, morphine, oxygen, nitro, aspirin for chest pain. Uh, we could learn about the dosages and how the textbook protocols is, but it doesn't mean anything if we can't explain to the patient exactly what, why we're given these drugs. You know, so the reason uh, I bring that up is because the tool, if anybody wants to ask me what my tool in leadership is, is uh, influence. Right? I feel like my biggest uh, achievement in any kind of leadership role I've held is by doing and i feel like a lot of people will follow you harder if they see you doing what you're you're expressing or what you're having them do you know it's not just uh to me it's like those pictures you see in the firehouse where you got a white shirt guy taking a mop and cleaning up uh, the bay you know just because he's got a rank he still takes the, the initiative to clean up the firehouse just like anybody else should so that's the whole definition of leadership should be taken by actions and actions are taken by influence you know, so that's a big tool. But going on that caveat, um, how do you reflect on that, Tom? I think it's, like you said, um, the folks that are charged with leading are watching your every move. So words can only go so far. Everyone knows actions speak louder than words. Um, put rank aside when you can and be part of the crew, the team. And it doesn't matter if you're brand new guy or the 20 year old veteran uh everyone's there to help each other get to the next day get back home what have you um and many hands make the work light or whatever the saying is oh okay um you you just have to prove that you know i'm one of my favorite sayings is i'm not going to ask my soldiers to do something that i want to do myself and i feel like that should keep most leaders grounded and it also shows that um, you you kind of gain that respect right away from your subordinates. It's like he's part of the team. He's willing to do what it takes. You earn that respect, and then you just keep doing that. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than seeing one of your leaders or you know tell you what to do, and you're up late doing it, and you see that leader sleeping. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's like, hey, you're, you're part of the team, and you want to you want to coach us through the actual job, and you want the mission or mission capable of whatever it is. You should be out there getting dirty as well. You know, and it's whether it's your a preceptor or a uh, instructor or whatever it is, you know, you should be able to back up your lectures, your influence through your actions. And when you said many hands make the light work or work light, right? I got a picture I wanted to show you. Beat me to it, but I'm happy to look at it. You probably have seen this before. Yes, sir. Right? Yep. 100%. You want to show that to uh, Rick over there on this camera if you could. Rick, I'm going to have you sh- look at something on the camera if you're so... Yeah, yeah. See, see if it? I can see it. Yeah. Can you just send it to him? Oh, yeah. I guess I'll send you a picture of it. Let me do that real quick. But while I do that, Tom, tell me what you see or what you saw and how you reflect on that. So it's the uh, proverbial meme, I guess. You got the boss sitting on the, the throne as his workers pull his chariot down the line, and then you've got the leader in the front pulling the chariot uh, to help the team get to where they're going. So definitely two different perspectives. Boss tends to have a, I would say, negative connotation as a title, whereas everyone is really striving to be called that servant leader. Yeah, when I see that, when I see that image, it, it, 
it's heartbreaking because so much of I think so many businesses and, you know, there, there's a difference here that has to be delineated. You've got realms of life where you've got a command structure and that can really blow things up when, when a subordinate has to go through his immediate supervisor and that supervisor's an idiot, right? That, that, that just blows the whole team unity up. It's, it's devastating. A little less so in the business world, but it's still dysfunctional and, and, and sick. I, I can't tell you how often I see number one leaders, number one guys asking me that, man, I don't have the respect of my guys. I don't have, uh, they're not listening. What I, They all gravitate towards, and he'll name his number two guy. And I always ask them the same question. I, I say, what's your relationship with the men or women or, you know, what, with the crew, with the team? And he's like, well, you know, we have to keep a professional distance because I'm their supervisor. I'm like, well, there's your problem, right? It's, I mean, trust and relationship is built with time and proximity. And and so no wonder they're going to your number two guy because he's there living life with them. He, he's rubbing shoulders with them. He's serving them. You're, you're up here giving them orders and you're afraid to connect with them. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pandemic problem. I mean, it's, it's throughout any realm of life where you've just got personalities that just don't get it. Serve your men. Serve, serve the people you need. I like that. I like you said that. And something I want to kind of ask you here. Would you say that a crew, including the leader, and looking at this picture, do they all at some point need a boss? Should there be somebody above them that is not doing the work that is actually just saying, hey, here's the paperwork. I'm going to push the paper your way. Get it done. I, 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 would, say, I would say that leadership in terms of recognized rank comes into play when life or death decisions or bottom line financial decisions need to be made and, and executed. Other than that, the boss should be a team member. There are times when certain hard decisions need to be made and it's life or death or it's bottom line finance or it's firing or hiring of someone. Somebody's got to execute. And and they got to be willing to shoulder that and take that responsibility. And absolutely, there's that role. But in a team effort going forward, like the bottom picture here says, leader, yeah, let's go. That once he makes his decision, once he executes, once he does whatever, he should assume that that same team role, empowerer, uh, flag bearer, uh, you know, marching marching captain, whatever you want to call him. What do you think, Tom? You know, I, I really appreciate that Rick's got this business background as well as leadership because we're getting a lot of different perspectives here. Um, it, I feel like it comes down to respect. I don't expect my CEO to come down and make 100 cold calls a day to try and drum up, you know, a couple hundred, couple thousand dollars for the business because I understand what his role is and he's playing at a higher level. And if you respect the folks that are in leadership positions above you, you understand that they're doing their job in order to help the organization get to where they need to go. Now, if the CEO did come into the office and wanted to chit chat with me, get to know me and say, Hey, let me do a couple phone calls with you. I would be elated. I would be like, this guy is absolutely awesome. He's willing to do the work. I don't expect him to do it, but it's just nice to see that he's willing to do it. So it comes down to respecting the leadership and understanding what the role is. I like that. How do you earn respect? It's uh, number one, uh, kind of how Rick was alluding to earlier that, uh, especially in the business world, managers, leaders, they don't take the time to get to know their subordinates. Um, you don't have to memorize everybody's favorite color and favorite slice of pizza, but um, just making the effort. I hear too many times in the business world, oh, I'm so busy, I didn't have time to get to that. And that doesn't really resonate with folks in our industry because time is just a construct. You work until the work is done. So, right. Um, you know, it's getting to know your folks and then also executing. It's the actions. It comes down to the actions. And once your subordinates see that you did what you needed to do to help the team out, they internalize that and they realize this guy came to play or this gal. I like that. I really like that. And I think uh, not to you know, give, get you a humble position here, and I know that if I say anything bad about you, you probably make me push later <laughs> and drill, but... Um, you know, one thing I do appreciate in your role of our our unit or our company command is that you took the time to get to know us. You know, 
Every every time I see you at Drill, you're coming out and you're asking about how our week was, or since the last time we seen each other. You know, like you make it very personal, and uh, that's to me that's that's a huge aspect. Is that a lot of our leaders, a lot of our command, and not just military. I'm talking about like every structure we find EMS and fire. Is that sometimes there's a disconnect between I'm in charge and the working people. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm lucky I come from a sales and marketing background, and I think a lot of those soft skills translate to success in the military. Um, you know, asking questions and getting to know the individuals why and why are you here? What are your thoughts on how you want to train this next year? And what are your military career goals? And how are you doing outside of the military? These are all questions that, as a salesperson, you get used to asking and when it comes down to also getting your folks what they need for training and career progression, being in sales, you're used to rejection. And when higher up says, no, we can't do that, you gotta ask why. You gotta push through that first no, and then find a solution around that first obstacle. So I feel like I'm pretty lucky with the business background and applying it to the military aspect. Sure, I like Love it. that. That's well said. So going back on the picture here, I'm gonna have you guys think about the picture, right? Take a look at it one more, one more time, okay, Randy? For everybody who's listening, it kind of reminds yeah. me of uh, Xerxes in 300. Oh, where okay, the, the slaves are like underneath his pedestal, carrying yeah, him or whatever. You're right. He's wearing all the bedazzled, yeah, all, <laughs> all bejeweled, everything else like that. Just a little uh, little visual here. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw a little bit of a curveball in this picture here. If you guys are now having it in your mind, and we'll share it to the audience members when they watch this or listen to this is that if I were to take charge in how I painted a third realm of, so a third section to this would be that all the members, and I see you look at it, you're, you're talking about you got a boss who's standing on the business block telling people to go forward, driving the, the business forward, right? Second realm is a, you got the business block and the leaders in front of the, the people pulling the business block forward telling them, hey, let's all do it together. If I were on the block or can make a third realm is that we get everybody on top of the business block, the leader, the people, everybody, the CEO, everybody, everybody that has an influence on us. We get them on top of the business block because what's important to the business is the people, right? The people should be the business. It's not so much about like, what's our dollar sign? Yeah. Okay, great. As a business, you want to make money. That's your goal. As a business, you have, you have a mission as a unit. You have a mission as a fire department. You have a mission, but in the sense of, your mission should be the people. And that's how you retain the people, right? It's not so much about wanting to drive us forward. It's about driving us upward. How would you reflect on that? I, I love that. I, I think what, if every leader, so, so if you ever uh, study workplace management over the centuries, it's, it's really interesting because We've gone through, since the Industrial Revolution, we've seen some major shifts in the way the boss and uh, employee relationship uh, move. And, and so I'll just take you back to the Industrial Revolution and then I'll hit today. And in the, at a, at coming out of the Industrial Revolution, the idea that machines could do everything poisoned the workforce. Because when there wasn't a mechanism called a machine, the employees became the machine. And so the degradation of the, the employee, the, um, the uh, lessening of them to, to a machine element of the cog, uh, it happened. And that's when, those, that's when the whole union thing burst, is because of that shift. And that was directly caused by the Industrial Revolution. Well, fast forward today, it's totally the opposite. The, the dynamic leader understands that a holistic workforce, one that is... That, that is serving a purpose, one that one that uh, is working out of some giftedness or some desire to make a difference, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. And a lot of leaders just don't get that yet. They're still looking at bottom lines, like you said. They're still looking at driving the organization instead of driving the people. If you drive if you drive the people through in good in, you can drive people in bad ways. But if you drive people in good ways your business goes forward automatically, and that's and that's what's key. So I think every leader today needs to. I, I I'm sorry, guys. I'm not sitting in the circle with you. I'm out on the phone, so I don't know who said it. But one one of the guys uh, talked about how uh, you know if the, if the boss came down and, and, and said, "Hey, um, 
let me make a couple phone calls or whatever. Imagine if every boss in America just said, just said, hey, what, what, what would be your ideal outcome working here? How, what do you want to do? How do I make you better? How can I give you more fulfillment in your workplace? They may just say, you know what, this job sucks. I don't like it. And best thing you do is find another job somewhere. Okay, well, that, that's fine. But for every one of those, you're going to get 10 that say, boy, you know what? If we could do this or this or this instead, or if I could shift my hours from from 8 to 5 to 6 to, to 3, you know, that that connection with the employee that gives them work, it instills work in who they are and what they do and their skill set. And there's no stopping that kind of business. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, Vince, you're talking about your picture. Everyone's on the block. Uh, for folks that want their team to succeed both forward and up, again, it comes back to understanding who your players are and then how to best fit those chess pieces on the board. Um, it takes time to get to know your people, but once you do you know that, okay, this is the direction that the company's going. We're going to need someone to fill this role. I know that Vince is interested in doing these extracurricular activities. Uh, let's put him in this role and see how well he does because I already know what his dreams and aspirations are. And then already identifying who's good at what and what they're interested in, number one, you're going to retain talent. Uh, number two, you're going to save money because you don't have to hire a new person and retrain them and then spend time learning what they like and stuff. I mean, there's just so many benefits to understanding who your players are and then helping them uh, succeed on an individual level. I mean, it, I can't say it enough. Just get to know your people. Sure. I like that. Absolutely. Randy, being a uh, FTO, right, your background, um, give me an example of how you uh, utilize this leadership aspect of whether you're doing by influence whether you're getting to know your your student or your crew and uh how it positively impacted your your personal career so i definitely try to lead by example come in shirt talk done boots cleaned um with a positive attitude now does that happen every day absolutely not um one of the things i do hit on in our orientations then when i am field training someone in the field um one of the things I like to bring up is uh, asking is, what a, who is a customer to you? Who is a customer? Kind of deviates from leadership a little bit, but I think it, it all, it'll all come around here. Um, and they look at me usually pretty confused. Um, I said, and I explained myself, I said, you know, a customer is not only the patients that we're taking care of or the people's houses that we're putting out or the, you know, you know, the people that we're taking care of, it's, uh, it's the nurses that we're dropping off at the hospital too. It's the, um, tow truck driver who we're helping sweep up, um, an inter- a busy intersection after an automobile accident. Uh, it's the, uh, bystanders that are taking vi- you know, videos of us, uh, pulling somebody out of a car. Like, um, we need to look good. We need to be mission ready or mission uh, capable, capable mission, yeah. that you were talking about. And that really kind of gets, I like to start out with this conversation, it really kind of gets their mind thinking about, um, you know, what we're going to be doing and how, and at the level that I demand uh, the people that I work for or people that work for me to do. Um, I like, when I first started out in this career, I told myself that I would be, I would, I will treat people the way that I want them to treat my family. So I will treat a patient the way I expect um, you to treat my folks or another provider. Um, and you now, does it happen every single day, every single call? No, uh, but I try to be a little bit better every single day um, and do that. So it's kind of my little plug there. I like it. No, I like it. I love it. And, hey, Vince, can uh, I yes, throw sir. a question out there? Oh, go ahead. Let's hear it. So, guys, look, especially in your field and, and me with my uh, PD guys, how do you how do you help? the guys or yourself uh, avoid getting cynical on the job because it's really easy to do and as a as a leader it can totally tank your leadership I, I, you see it with PD you see it with cops all the time they grow cynical to the job because they deal with the worst people possible all day long pretty soon everybody's a perp uh, second guessing of all motives and 
and guarding against that is so key if you're going to lead people. How do you, how do you guys do it? Ooh. Randy, start. Kick it off. How do we avoid getting... If we review podcast episode three, <laughs> whatever, four, talking about being uh, uh, salty. Yeah, saltiness. That's kind of how we uh, we dumped it down. Saltiness. Salty. So our one of our most recent... Oh, I guess it was last series. Uh, one of the episodes in the last series, we talked about the saltiness of the job. So on the fire side and EMS, uh, we have a phrase that says, uh, or that goes by, like, you know, once you've got some time on the job, you got some exposure to what we do, you slowly become salty, which means that like you've slightly become entitled, slightly become uh, you know dirty with like oh you know I've been through this I've done this before, like this is my bed this is my chair at a firehouse you know I've I've earned this spot, even though there's no name tags on it, uh, but saltiness is that you kind of you're a know it all you know because you've been through it all. Um, but I guess for us, we kind of broke that saltiness with, how do we go by it? Is that you, you made a perfect statement is that what brings, uh, what makes cars salty or what makes, what does salt make on cars? Rust. Rust. Right. And what does rust do to us on the job? It makes us bad. You know what I mean? So I think what we, to answer that question is that we just, we drive on and we maintain the, the mission capable is that our regardless of the, the bitterness that we've had in our job sometimes, regardless of negativity, especially in law enforcement, I think they, they get the brute end for this. And I wish I had one of the guys to talk about it. And for you, yourself as well, Rick, in your experience, you know, nowadays people don't want to be a cop. You know, some, some of these right. guys were saying that this is their childhood dream and look where they're at now. They're, they're getting battered and spat on on their daily shifts, you know, and it's how, how do we how did they drive on to go back to work the next day? Yeah, it's tough. I, I just had this conversation with my son. My son's a physician assistant, a PA, and he's always had a big heart. Even growing up, he's just a compassionate young man. He just loves people. And uh, just listening to him talk, uh, you know, I, I see as he's more and more years as a physician assistant, it's becoming just, uh, it, it has been, it started becoming just routine for him. He wasn't, like, I don't know who just said, the treating, I want to treat someone like I would treat my family. And I reminded him of that. He said, yeah, Dad, you're right. Because, you know, I, I need to get back to that. I need to care for people like they're my family. And uh, and it's hard to do and It's hard to do when you're busting bad guys all day. But to show mutual respect is, is, is a key, I think, in the cop realm, even when you don't get it and to have a – but I, I think working, focusing on family life and extra friends outside of law enforcement helps buffer that. Because if, if all you do is go out drinking with your buddies from morning shift, uh, you're just amplifying your troubles. You know, you're, you're just you're just having a self pity party with a group. Get some friends outside of the realm that can help bring uh, some some equilibrium to your life. I think you have to do that. Otherwise, you know, I I, I was talking with one of our uh, guys here just day before yesterday, and and he was sharing one of his coworkers is working the map. 17 day, 17 hour days, seven days a week because he's trying to crank out some, some money right now. And he's a zombie. Now, you can't be a zombie and do this work, especially police work. You can't respond EMS to somebody at a car wreck and have half your brain intact because because you're letting the, the job get to you. You're going to end up uh, assisting in their demise if you're not careful. So you've got you to self-check. There's no doubt about it. Well said, Rick. Uh, I love that idea of having friends outside of the work group for that balance. Uh, are you yeah. guys familiar with the saying, you're the average of the five people you interact with the most? Explain that. I've never heard of that. So you've got a core group of folks that you either work with on a day-to-day -day basis or hang out with. And then there's the acquaintances and the friends that you know, you know from here or there, but the core group of people that you surround yourself with are the ones that are going to influence you the most and start changing your perspective and how you think and act. So uh, to Rick's point, if you're with your five buddies from the PD and you're all seeing the same stuff and talking about the same stuff, uh, you really don't have that perspective, but you balance that with two or three friends outside of work. Now you've got multiple perspectives, different outlooks on life, different experiences you can draw from. So it's really important to surround yourself with uh, folks that are on a level that are going to help you 
get through the worst and also get you to your best. I love this. No, this is perfectly said. And I think we kind of touched up a little bit on another series and other episodes talking about, you know, maintaining hobbies. But this is why we have been having these aspirations to have this podcast. We all know how stubborn we are as military members, as fire members, EMS, uh, law, everything. We're very stubborn individuals. So, yes, we tend to gravitate towards people within the same service. But we also know that, you know, because of those relationships we build, although sometimes if we surround ourselves only to those relationships can have a negative impact, it also can have positive by being, hey, I'm a law enforcement. Let me go talk to a firefighter. Let me go see his perspective of how he handles things. You know, just to have that that same relationship with that other individual within the community of service members and have that influence on each other. I mean, this is this is why we're here as a podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Rick, because you pretty much defined our mission statement. Yeah, cool. So, and just to kind of go over that, I know we've been working on the verbiage of our mission statement, but just on the words itself, um, to provide perseverance through communication, understanding, guidance through resources and education, and health advocacy through influence and coaching. You know, that's kind of our ultimate mission statement here within the podcast organization. So I'm glad we said this all, and it's, it's perfectly said. With those, anybody out there, and I do want to give a plug, you know, because here we are, we're at a Karma Cigar Lounge, we're enjoying a couple cigars, uh, we're, we're doing things responsibly and enjoying a couple spirits, and I always try to emphasize in all our shows that, yes, do things appropriate and do things of good health and of good manner, right? And if there is anybody out there that's struggling with that, whether it's with the influences of certain objects or certain items, or you're fighting demons of whatever you do in your job, I will give a plug and a phone number that I've been uh, granted to share to you all is uh, Chrissy over at bluehelp.org. She's an individual who went through a pretty uh, traumatic event in her life and now is set up to uh, run this organization that gives us providers and uh, service members uh, a foundation of support. So give her a call if you are finding yourself or you know anybody who's struggling. Phone number for her is 815-955-9970. And again, her name is Christy, and she is always willing to answer any phone calls, any text messages, anonymous or whatever it is that needs to be done any time of the day. So just a reminder, play it safe, be safe, do things responsibly. With that, I got one more question, and we are going to segment into another uh, episode here. We're going to do a little more of a scenario-based, if you both, as our guests, have time for that. Um, But the last question for this small episode, although it's been an hour, (laughs) seems like it goes by pretty fast, right? I told you. Um, Here's a statement. I want you to reflect on it, okay? Learning to lead is hard, but important to work. So either one of you want to jump in and tell me what that means to you. The last part was, but important to work. Important to work. So as Uh, in in function. Function, right? It's important to deliver. Yeah. yeah. But learning to lead is hard. Right? Because it's not something you just fall into the the surface of this planet and be like, hey, I'm a leader. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll take it first. I, I think... First of all, there's this misconception that that you can't learn to be a leader. You absolutely can learn to be a leader. People are not born leaders. Um, they may have personal attributes that that are conducive to leadership, but anybody can. Everybody is a leader. I mean, if you're a mom, you're a leader. You're leading a, 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 a little one. If you're a, a dad, you're you're a leader. Uh, everybody's a leader at some level. So learning to lead is hard, though, because leadership is not an arrival port it's it's a journey and it's a journey that doesn't ever end and that that is difficult and so it's about working on proficiency getting the best that you can be when you have people who look up to you and that you're responsible for um but it's yeah it's it's hard but it has to work because other people are dependent on you and that's that and that's the whole if if not it shouldn't be self-serving. I want to be the best leader because I can be the best leader and I want to be the best guy and I want everybody to see me as the best guy. That's not a leader. Um, it, it has to work because you're leading people and your best judge of whether it's working or not is are you making the people that look up to you better people? 
Are you are you lifting them up? Are you empowering them in their gifts and their strength to be the best that they can be? You know, I I had kind of an epiphany years. I don't know who said it to me, um, but it, I've really taken it to heart. I, when I early on in my when I was approaching leadership with guys and some of the consulting that I was doing. I was trying to identify people's strengths and weaknesses and give them a plan to capitalize on their strengths and improve their weaknesses. Well, I've had a total shift because I think, and, and a lot of leadership theory is along this line. I think sometimes we need to look at our weaknesses and ditch them, or if they're absolutely ne- necessary for the organization, um, find somebody else that can fill that niche. Because if we spend too much time trying to improve our weaknesses, it takes away from us Excelling in our gifts. And so I kind of had a mental shift there. Say, excel in your gift. Excel in your strength. Work on it daily. Be the best that you can be. And if you have deficiencies, find who you can hand them off to. Don't worry about trying to bring those up to par. Just dish them off. Uh, delegate. Do what you can to, to let somebody else take it over. So, yeah, absolutely. Leadership is hard, but it needs function because people are relying on you. I like it. Yeah, I would break down leadership or great leaders. They have a combination of education and experience. And it takes a lot of time to build up that education. The education earns you respect from your peers because you know what you're talking about. And then eventually you earn the experience through time, uh, performing the duties assigned to you. And then you combine those two and effectively you can uh, become a great leader. But um, as kind of how Rick was saying, um, me as a leader, I'm not the best pilot in the unit. I'm not the best medic or mechanic in the unit, but a good leader realizes that number one, and then finds the people that are the best at that job and puts them in that job. And that's what helps the team succeed is number one, having self-awareness and then two, finding the best person for that job and putting them in that slot. So the self-awareness part is tough for I think a lot of people because it takes some uh, self-reflection and humbleness to realize that you're not the best at everything Uh, but once you get past that then you can really build a great team and get a lot of great things done I love that that's perfect you know it's one of the things that you you have to understand your own um, achievements and your own abilities and capabilities but it's not about you it's not about just a single member of the team it's about the team as a whole Kind of like we know that Vince is terrible at starting IVs, so ah, we just let every, oh. you know he can innovate, he can do everything else. Okay, but it's I mean. on the training calendar. Oh, 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 oh. Hello. All right, all right. You haven't seen me work in years, guy. <laughs> that, that, Man, exactly. <laughs> I'm on a boat. No big deal. <laughs> no, phenomenal. I, I really appreciate all the input on this, and it kind of goes over the definition of how we would answer what is a leader. You know, so to you all listen to this episode, we appreciate you hanging tight for the about an hour for this first episode. And uh, we hope we were able to bring you a little more insight about what the a leader entails, you know, how to become a leader, what it, it should consist of, and the influence, rather, just the demand that a leader should have in his, in his characteristics and his job. So stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, unless, Rick, you have any closing thoughts on your, because I know you and I and, well, the podcast in general, we're going to be having a interview process with you to give you a moment to shine on your education because I know you could talk a whole lot about this uh, this topic, which is phenomenal. Yeah. So we want to put that Absolutely. content out there. Hey, we talked about a lot of successful leadership styles and, and leadership building, and but I just want to shout out to the listeners and say, fail a lot. And don't be afraid of failure. I mean, they say the greatest leaders fail way more than the average ones do. And if, if you're approaching leadership like you can't fail, then, uh, well, I'll just say it. You're wrong. Uh, great leaders fail a lot. How you learn. You get back up. The, the question's not uh, how much you fail. It's how often you get back up, learn something from it, and uh, get better. I love it. My closing thoughts... Uh you know, it's, it's a near impossible task to please everyone under your command or leadership. Um, so just realize that it's going to be tough, but try your best if you're having thoughts of, am I doing enough or was that the right decision? Um, it's Those are just natural thoughts of any leader. And once you start getting good at your job, you're going to get put into a job you know nothing about and just keep moving forward. So unfortunately, 
Uh, you'll never be complacent and feel like you're really doing a great job, but just understand that's part of the journey and you're only being put in stronger positions because you're doing well. So phenomenal. Sounds great. Randy. So one of the things that I started recently, uh, really living by is there are three sides to every story. So just because I'm a pawn in the game and the, the bosses, uh, are making decisions and moves that I don't necessarily agree with from my perspective, I really am trying learn how to step back and see things from every angle from the uh, management perspective from the road perspective from um, the customer's perspective and um, I've, I've found that it's life is almost a little bit more enjoyable now because it's you know what it's not my problem it's the boss's problem but how do I make the boss's problem not as bad so even from other other perspective of not necessarily leadership perspective, but um, how can I make things better for my not only for my coworkers and for my boss and for my customers, but also for me and my family and me and what I got to do. And uh, that definitely has brought me back from um, even leaving this uh, field because um, I you know, I've had just some stressful issues, stressful calls, stressful coworkers. And, uh, you know, I've really looked at, you know, what other things that I could do. But you know what? Screw them. I like this job. Uh, I want to keep doing it. I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I might as well make things better. So that's kind of the way I look at it from assisting leadership. And especially being a, a leader, being in a leadership role prior. Um, and then I can see, you know, what can I do to help these people out? And I think... Um, it has uh, improved my chances of getting back into a leadership role because they're like, holy crap, who's this kid that, I mean, he knows what he's, he knows what he's talking about. Um, the, our uh, few things that are, uh, the agencies that I'm involved with, they're doing some things I don't agree with um, and doing some things and growing that I don't think we're ready for. But it's not my problem. You know, I'm Again, I'm just a pawn. I'm going to do everything I can to help out. I voice my concerns. Um, and I think they they did take it with a little more grain of salt because of the background that I came in with. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I like it. Perfectly said. Well, to you all, anybody else there had a comment to it, we would love to hear your story and your definition of what is a leader. Send us an email at withinthinlines.gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at staywithinthinlines and give us a shout-out. Um, to you all, just remember that whatever you do in leadership, It's not a title. It's all influence. Thank you for staying within thin lines. Stay tuned for episode two. We're going to do a little scenario based.